Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Good morning, Dwell Church, and uh, thank you for joining us online. These are definitely strange times, and so that is why I am here in my office preaching to a camera, and I hope that you are enjoying this at home. Uh, I want you to know before we begin anything that I have been and will continue to be praying for you. I know these are strange times and uh, it's easy to feel isolated, it's easy to, to be uh, separated from the world, it's easily easy to give in to fear, uh, but I just want you to know that right now, and I hope this isn't just, you know, a YouTube video that you watch before you get back to, you know, catching up on what happened to SNL or you know, a Jimmy Fallon video, something like that. But I hope instead uh, that this is just a way where we as a community, though we're separated, though we're not together this week, uh, can actually join together, uh, submit ourselves to God, God's Word, and uh, even be connected and united and grow closer as a family through that, even though we're separated. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. We are just continuing right on in our uh, Book of John series called Bizarro. And uh, it's really interesting. Uh, I didn't, you know, plan this or anything like that. Two weeks ago, had no idea uh, that coronavirus was even going to be a thing. And now, here we are. And uh, oddly enough, I think in the kindness of God, today's message really, I think, will speak to where we are and uh, how we might look at this entire thing with a kingdom perspective. So uh, I thank you so much, so much for joining us. These next few weeks, actually, leading up to Easter and uh, sort of concluding our book of John, we're calling Resurrection Stories. And I think the, uh, the real question there, now that we've made a sharp transition, now that Jesus has died in our book, and now uh, that uh, the entire rest of the book of John focuses on post-death, uh, his actual resurrection, uh, it really like uh, calls into focus, like, what does it look like? to live as a resurrection people, as a people who live post-resurrection, as a people who have seen and are defined by this central act of God that death does not hold them, that death cannot stand in the way of Jesus, that death is not the ultimate enemy. So today uh, we're going to ask ourselves what it would look like to live in light of that fact. And so uh, actually if you want to take a look in your Bible, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20 and uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 today. John chapter 20 verses 1 through 10 says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the tomb had been, or the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping, stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Would you pray with me? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, God, we thank you that we even live in a time where technology allows us uh, to be connected, though we are separated, God, though we are isolated. God, we thank you for the gift that is your word, God, and we thank you most of all today for your resurrection. May it not be something that just has impact on our eternal salvation, but may it even be something that uh, God impacts us right now, right here, exactly where we are, God. Let us become a resurrection people. God, you are a God of resurrection. Let us become a people that chase after you and follow you in that resurrection, God. That's our, that's our prayer and that's our heart today, God. God, I pray that uh, you would give me words to speak, God, and give us all ears to hear the message that you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, in today's story, we see a real uh, problem of expectation versus reality. So uh, Jesus had been telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to raise from the dead. And yet uh, somehow amidst all of, I guess, the crazy stuff that Jesus was saying, they still just weren't really buying it. So Mary goes to the tomb, Mary Magdalene, she sees that it's empty and uh, immediately turns around, goes and tells John and tells Simon Peter. Now remember, uh, John throughout the book of John is actually referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, or here in this story it just says the other disciple. And that was sort of a way of taking himself out of the story. You see, like when you are that close to Jesus, when you're that intimately connected to him, all of a sudden your role in the story does not matter that much. In fact, his entire identity became someone uh, who was defined by Jesus' love. He referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not loved the most or not loved exclusively, but more so just that like his name, who he was, all those other little layers like our job and uh, you know our history and stuff like that, all those other things that we use as a means to sort of define ourselves, they didn't matter to John anymore. Now all that mattered is that he was a disciple whom Jesus loved. And yet still, he and Peter find themselves racing towards the tomb, uh, expecting something terrible, right? Mary told them, uh, I don't know where he is. Someone must have taken him. Now, can you imagine that? So you've been hanging out with this guy for three years, and then uh, you're following him. Who knows what they're expecting? Clearly, uh, Peter was expecting some sort of like hostile takeover. He really thought, you know, when he was chopping off uh, the guy's ear, when he was coming to take Jesus, Peter thought like this was going to be the beginning of Jesus's rule and reign on earth in like a standard kingly fashion. He thought like, you know, first step Jerusalem, next step Rome, we're going to like do this thing. And now here they are in light of the fact that their savior, their master, their teacher, and their friend has just been murdered, has just been killed on the cross. And now, three days later, they find out something truly heinous, something truly disgusting and awful, that someone has broken into the tomb and stolen Jesus' body. Can you imagine what that run was like? So here they are sprinting as fast as they can to find out what has happened to Jesus' body, to find out who has taken it or, or whatever other kind of like strange and awful thing that had happened. They're already like in the middle of the grieving process, not only grieving their friend, but grieving the loss of three years of their lives, which now has become meaningless because the person they were following actually died. And so they're sprinting as fast as they can towards the tomb. Actually, uh, it kind of reminds me, uh, this one time I was hiking with some friends in, uh, in Rocky Mountain National Park and 
I apologize if some of you guys have heard this story before, but it was crazy for me, and so now I cannot stop thinking about it. And uh, there was this guy, we actually uh, saw him when we were hiking up, and uh, I said, hey man, how much further to this, you know, next lake? And he was like, oh, it'll be like 10 minutes. And so we both sort of like go our separate ways down the path, we continue going, and while this is happening, uh, the day's been kind of gray, there's been clouds in and out, and a few sprinkles and stuff like that, but we're not thinking too much of it, it's just a, a summer rainstorm. All of a sudden, uh, the sky turns sort of pink-white, and not in just like a, you know, flash, like a camera bulb, but like in a all-encompassing, like our entire reality turns one color in that moment kind of flash, and this lightning strike came down, and it felt like it was just surrounding us and all around us, and it was terrifying. And in that moment, uh, me and the friends I was with were like, okay, so I guess now it is time to turn around and go back to the car. So we turn around, uh, we start heading back, and as we do, we come up upon the same guy that we had just passed, and he's uh, lying face down in the mud, and he's not moving, there's steam or smoke or something kind of rising off of his body, and at this point it's starting to rain more and more heavily, the, the rain is coming down more and more and more. And what happened at that point uh, was uh, we all sort of sprung into action as best we could. And so, you know, we're, we're checking out the guy, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And Josh actually, uh, sort of, you know, very much like Lassie or, you know, like some sort of like uh, spirited hero dog kind of thing, just takes off running down the trail, sprinting so that he could get help. Now, uh, at that point, our storylines diverge, right? So from that point, uh, I and my other friend that was with us sit down with the guy. We uh, are able to start communicating with him. He starts becoming more and more lucid. Uh, he's sort of asking the same question over and over again. He's a little bit shocked. He's a little bit confused, which to me is reasonable. You know, just been struck by lightning. He kept on asking some of the same questions over and over again. He's like, uh, where am I? And so we tell him, and, and then a few minutes later, be like, where am I? The best, though, was uh, he kept saying, like, is my face messed up? Like, he's, like, really, really worried about his face. And, like, uh, you know, for us, it became almost comical. As we're seeing, like, this guy's, like, getting better and better. He's starting to get more and more aware. And now he's actually concerned, like, am I still going to be as good-looking of a guy as I was before, you know? Uh, and to us, everything is on, like, this upward trajectory. I actually find out that I have, like, cell phone service. So we call the Rangers. We call 911. Uh, they send somebody out there. They're coming out. They're making their way. Now... A parallel storyline that was happening uh, unbeknownst to us while we were sitting on the side of the mountain is that Josh is running to go get help uh, with the absolute certainty in his mind that he has just seen a dead man. In his mind, uh, instead of going to get help to save this man's life, he's actually like going to warn the authorities. Uh, and he's under the assumption that this guy has already died. He was, like I said, smoking, he was bleeding, uh, the whole scene was just very, very uh, dark, it did not look good. And Josh, seeing that, sprung into action and started running down the mountain. And so, while we are steadily getting better and better and better of a prognosis on this guy, while we're watching him, uh, you know, feel a lot better and now are in our own minds thinking, like, he's probably going to be okay, Josh is sprinting probably around three miles down a mountain uh, knowing that this guy has just died. 
And so as he's doing it, it's sort of like processing it. it. It's a very traumatic scene to actually like see a dead body as he thought he saw in his mind. Uh, it's a very like uh, just sort of insane thing to just be on like a fun hike and we're goofing off and we're laughing and we're cracking jokes and then all of a sudden we are confronted face to face with death. But this is what Josh was experiencing. And it was kind of wild. When he finally made it back to us, when he, you know, had gotten some rangers and made it all the way back up the mountain, I just remember, like, uh, seeing his face. And you can see it from a long way off. He is in, like, abject terror, just like uh, everything inside of him is shook by this entire thing. And then he starts getting a little bit closer and closer. He sees our faces. He sees that we're not freaking out. He sees the man who's actually now uh, flipped over and is able to talk and uh, is doing a lot better. And slowly, difficultly, I think, uh, he comes to this realization that everything's actually going to be all right. Everything's actually going to be okay. I think we see in this passage that that's exactly what happens to John and Simon Peter. We see uh, actually in chapter 20 in uh, verse uh, verse 8, it says, uh, Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. And, and John lets us know, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. There he's saying, like, uh, they didn't like fully understand. They didn't immediately have this grand realization of going back through the entire Old Testament to say, like, oh, okay, of course, of course. Uh, he was actually always supposed to rise from the dead. They didn't, like, go back through everything Jesus said. And, oh, now it makes sense. But in that moment, not even knowing anything, which I think is significant, right? Like, they didn't immediately understand everything. But in that moment, they believed. They believed. It became clear to them that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were running to the tomb, expecting what you always expect from a tomb. Death. There's no way to spin that. There's uh, no sort of other way to frame that. No other way to look at it. Tombs, graves, are places of death. And they ran as hard as they could, expecting that to be the result. And what they found instead was life, was hope, was resurrection. I wonder what, I wonder what death you're running towards today. You know, it's very easy in our world today to uh, expect the worst to happen. Right, like, uh, you don't have to live very long enough to know that it's, like, difficult a lot of times to hope for the best outcome. We can kind of walk into any situation and just sort of, like, assume that bad things are going to happen to us because they do. They happen so, so often that it's easy to just assume that the, the worst outcome is going to be the outcome. One of the craziest things that's happening uh sort of uh, in our lifetimes is that the suicide rate is slowly uh, climbing. In fact, from uh, 2014 to 2017, it's actually been climbing, uh, or it climbed 24%, 24% more suicides uh, than we had had in 2014 than we had in 2017, which is wild. 
uh, that no matter the progress that we make in life, no matter how much easier life gets for us, uh, we have new technologies, we have uh, new ways of communicating, we have all these different things that should make our life easier and easier. We even like have more emotional language, we better understand ourselves, uh, self-care is becoming more of a priority, and yet people are still looking at life and looking towards the future and seeing nothing but death, nothing but a tomb. And then, of course, today, here we are, coronavirus uh, sweeping across the world, transforming the way that we normally operate. I mean, things that we thought uh, could never stop, could never shut down, are shutting down. Uh, libraries are closing. They've even stopped professional sports leagues, which just... Uh, is baffling, right? Uh, I know it's 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 definitely something superficial and unnecessary to our lives, but it's still just astounding that industries that large and that have such a hold on our society, uh, that have such a, a foothold in everything that uh, we do, that they could actually fall as a part of this as well. It's it's astonishing, and frankly, it's it's scary. It feels like uh, there's no hope. It feels like there's no positive potential future through this whole thing. It feels like uh, we are just walking into death. It's easy to get sucked into all of that. It's easy to let that anxiety, that fear, that concern overwhelm us. But if God is the same God of this resurrection, if God is the same God who had the power uh, to take a man who had died and then three days later raise him from the dead, then God has the power to overcome even this. God has the power even over coronavirus, even over something that we think is just too powerful, something that we can't understand or comprehend or control. God has the power even over that. God is still in control. God is still even in the resurrection business. God is even bigger than this. And maybe even more importantly than how powerful he is, he also loves us. I just want to conclude uh, with this simple question. Where do you think resurrection is impossible in your life? Maybe it's a marriage that's not going the way that you thought it was supposed or was going to go. Maybe you don't see any possible bright future in that except death. Uh, maybe it's a uh, job or a life path that you're walking down that you're wondering if there's any possibility that there's a bright future at the end. Maybe it's just your entire life in general. You know, one of the hardest things about life is that it can feel like you're walking towards death. You're, you know it's coming one day, you know it's going to uh, eventually hit you, and yet you cannot walk any slower. It's just as tiring, uh, not running headlong into death, but even trying to dig your heels in and, and just slowly time is passing and, and you're looking towards the future and you're wondering, is anything going to get better? Is there any possible way that this can end in life? Is there any possible way this does not end in just total, absolute despair? 
I want to tell you today that God is still in the resurrection business. The same God that had the power to raise Jesus from the grave has the power over any possible problem that you might face. God is still in control. God still has that authority. And your life doesn't have to end in death. That is the message of the resurrection. That yes, although we all may one day die, we can also yet live. Because the beautiful thing is that Jesus, in his death, actually carried all of your brokenness, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your sin, all of the messiness, all those parts of yourself that you don't like to think about, all those parts about yourself uh, that you hate. Everything you've done wrong to yourself and everything you've done wrong to anyone else around you, Jesus takes all of that on himself and he carries it down with him to death. He puts it to death. But that's not the end of the story. Because in the same way that he carries your sin into his death, he also carries you into his new life. The same power that had the authority to resurrect Jesus actually has the power over death to resurrect you, to bring you back to life. That's the resurrection power of Jesus. I know this is uh, strange over video, and I know these are just baffling, chaotic times. But I just want to let you know, even right now, in this moment, sitting uh, wherever you are, uh, you know, in whatever setting that you find yourself, uh, though we are separated by distance, and, and though this is, this is strange, do you know that in this very moment, you have the opportunity to accept that free gift of Jesus, that the gospel is true, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, bearing everything you've ever done wrong with him, and then he has the power and authority and capability to give you that resurrected life. We were made, we were hardwired deep within ourselves to know that this life is not the end, that death does not have the final say. And Jesus freely offers to us the gift of resurrection. My hope and my prayer is that you would accept that gift of resurrection today. And then if you already are a follower of Jesus, that we might be a resurrection people who live our lives in hope, not in fear, who live our lives out of faith in what Jesus plans to do, not in what it seems like is going to happen to us, uh, that we might live our lives walking uh, actively into the future, knowing that Jesus has promised us life. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, that you are in control. God, we thank you that you are still a God of the resurrection, that you are a God of life, not of death. God, I pray for men and women and children all across the world right now who are living in fear of death. We're so terrified, uh, especially in this time that death is coming for them. 
uh, that that is just spreading rapidly across the world. God, and I pray right now that you would influence, God, that you would step in with your resurrection power, uh, that you would do what none of us can do for ourselves, God, that you would resurrect our souls, God, that we may no longer fear death, but we may instead look forward to the bright and glorious future that you have promised to us. God, let our faith in you trump any sort of fear uh, that we may be facing now. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.